Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. Have your attention. Good morning, church. Great to see you. Uh, my name's Malcolm, if you don't know me, so I'm one of the leaders here. And we'll be speaking for the next uh, about 20 minutes, probably, and then we're going to pray together as well before we close this morning. That's the plan. Um, so last week, Rich Young started a new sermon series about our vision. Uh, we're very conscious that a lot of people have joined the church in the last year or so, um, like Jane Adu, who was saying that she came and then lockdown happened. And then particularly since uh, August, really, in September, when we started meeting here, uh, we are very aware that we've got lots of new people uh, around. Um, and so we felt it was really important to restate the vision of the church. And Rich began the series last week. The vision uh, really is four main things. First of all, to see the church grow to 300 spiritually big people. Uh, to resource the wider body of Christ with gifts and talents and ministries. Thirdly, to be a church that plants churches across North London, postcode by postcode. And fourthly, to be a church that continues to send people around the world to plant churches. And since Rev has been in existence the last 14 years or so, nearly 15 years, um, many of those things have actually been happening, uh, so that's wonderful, but we want to keep pressing on with all those four things. And today I'm going to be speaking about the first of those, which is the 300 spiritually big people. Now, um, this is, you know, at this time of the year we're all feeling like fairly big people having done Christmas, but uh, this is spiritually big people, okay? Um, disciples of Jesus, people that are mature in Christ, people that have grown to a level where they can carry responsibility, um, to, can lead. Um, we've sent lots of people to different parts of the country, indeed different parts of the world, that are now in leadership roles, able to encourage others, uh, take the gospel forwards, lead others in Christ. And so we're looking to keep growing big people in that sense. I think it's important for us to just... Um, just say something about this number 300. Um, there it is on the top left there. Um, we, we haven't plucked that number out of the air. It's not a kind of uh, thing that we've just come up with in a random way. Now, this is very much uh, what God has spoken to the church over the years. Um, so I'll just spend a few moments talking about this. Back in 2007, um, Julian Adams, who's got a prophetic ministry, prophesied that we'd be like Gideon's army and that we would find our success by having our faces in the river. If you know that story, some of those people, the 300, put their faces into the river to drink. So he's talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a couple of years later, Julian uh, was back, and in 2009, again, emphasized the number 300, and that being a key for God to unlock the land to us. Um, and around that same time, Steph's sister gave him the film 300 to watch. Uh, and she said it was really important that he watched it. And so Steph watched the film, and she said she felt that the Lord had spoken to her about that, uh, through that film, about Rev. 
uh, that we would be like a Spartan, the Spartan army in the film, who with 300 men fought against the Persian army of tens of thousands. A very similar story to the Gideon story. And that Rev would be able to fight and get victory in issues where the rest of the church in the UK had really struggled. So we haven't plucked that number out of the air. We haven't come up with it in a strategy meeting. Uh, We do believe that God has spoken to us about aiming towards that sort of number of mature disciples. Um, And that's going to take a while because we keep giving people away. Um, But that's our aim. That's the direction we're moving in. But really the emphasis today is on the big people part. Um, Really want to just focus there for a while because... You know, we live in such a consumerist society, don't we? Steph mentioned that earlier on. Um, And the natural tendency is for us to view the church in the same way. You know, we come to church and we want to know whether we're going to enjoy... Did we like the songs this morning? You know, were they songs that we we enjoyed? Uh, Is the the kids' work, does that work for us? Does that that work for our children? Is that good? Um, You know, did we like the the sermon? Do do we like the coffee? Was the coffee decent coffee? You know, we, we, we assess church on the same basis that we assess other things if we're not careful because we're so used to being in this kind of consumerist sort of society. We want to tick all these boxes. But Jesus calls us to be big people. He calls us to be contributors rather than consumers. He calls us to be disciples, not detractors. It's, it's easy to criti- be critical of a church or critical of how things are being done. But God is wanting us to step up and contribute into the whole thing. That's why we're talking about serving. Uh, if you're going to be a big person in Christ, serving's got to be part of, of that process. Jesus is calling us to be followers, not fault finders. He's calling us to, be, to become mature, to be big people. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack this idea of big people, what we mean by that. Today, I'm going to talk about being bold in Christ. Then uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about being committed to fellowship and being big-hearted towards one another. So Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And as you read through the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament, you will see again and again and again people, men and women, who have been really bold in the name of the Lord. There are lots, countless examples. So somebody like Joshua is called to be really bold, to lead the people into the promised land. Gideon, who I've already mentioned, finds boldness to gather an army and to defeat the Midianites. Esther, in that small book in the Old Testament finds courage to go before the king, before King Xerxes. I mean, she could have been put to death for going into his presence, but she finds courage uh, to do that. Uh, David's incredibly bold when he faces Goliath. Nehemiah was wonderfully bold when he went before the king and said, look, can I have some time out? Can I have a sabbatical here? I want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And then he has lots of opposition in in the process of doing that. He finds boldness in God. And then in the New Testament, we have Peter and Paul and Stephen and many others who on very many occasions find real boldness in God to face authorities, to speak to Roman authorities, to speak to kings, to proclaim the gospel. And uh, the list goes on and on. 
So it would be easy for us to look at these characters in the Bible and say, well, probably they were just naturally bold. They're real heroes of the faith. But actually, as you read the stories, you find that people were often quite nervous. Uh, to go back to Gideon again, there's a guy who's you know, just hiding away, literally, in his wine press, uh, keeping his head down, looking after his own business there. The Midianites keep coming in year after year and raiding the place, uh, overrunning the place, oppressing them, and he's just getting his, on with his own life. He's, he's, he's just got his head down, and God calls him. Uh, and even after God calls him and he meets with the angel of the Lord, he still has to have reassurance. He still needs a couple of signs so that he can make the next step. And then God says, well, you've got to get rid of the, uh, the gods that are being worshipped, the, the Baals and the Ash, Asherah poles and all those sorts of things. And he's nervous even in that moment. He, does, he goes out at night to, to deal with those gods and to, to tear down those, those idols. Uh, and then he finds courage in God to go against the Midianites and win a great victory. He wasn't a really courageous guy, naturally. And even if you think about somebody like Peter uh, in the New Testament, the, the great disciple that he was, the apostle that he was, he's a great sort of character. He's, he's very bold on, on the surface, but even he denied Jesus when Jesus was arrested. And he had to renew his, his connection with Jesus and had to renew his courage in that, in that instance. When ordinary believers encounter God and get filled with the Spirit, they can become some of the most dynamic, brave, fearless people on the face of the earth. If you do a quick survey of the many scriptures of boldness, you find that there are actually four types of boldness in the Bible. The first type of boldness is boldness to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news. You'll be able to think of lots of verses in the New Testament, particularly the, the book of Acts, about when they're preaching that Jesus is Lord and they need boldness to proclaim the gospel. The second type of boldness is boldness to speak to the church. And Paul, on a number of occasions, has to speak to the churches that he's uh, overseeing and he has to be bold in confronting them uh, with different situations, particularly in Corinth. And he has to write to them and uh, write in a very bold, forthright way and uh, confront them with things that are going on in the church. There's boldness before the church. Thirdly, you'll find there, are, there is boldness before authorities. Peter and John and Paul and others in the book of Acts were arrested on many occasions. They have to stand before the Roman authorities or the religious authorities. They have to stand before kings in some cases, and they find boldness in God to do that. And then fourthly, boldness before God in intercession. When Abraham, for example, is pleading with God for mercy for, the, for Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he, he just negotiates with God, Lord, if there are 50 righteous people in this place, and, and keeps going down and down. But he has to find boldness to intercede on that occasion. And there are many other occasions, people like Moses and Elijah and many others, like Jacob, who wrestled in prayer all night for blessing. And so sometimes we need boldness to intercede for the church or for other people. And so those are the four main categories of boldness we find throughout the Scriptures. Now, I'm sure that um, we've all seen those adverts, which are the, the kind of before and after adverts. Um, I was on the tube the other day, and there's uh, adverts for personal trainer, 
and you get pictures of the person that, you know, before they started the training and a picture of them nine, ten weeks later and they're looking really fit. Uh, you, you obviously get the Weight Watchers kind of uh, adverts where, you know, somebody has slimmed down dramatically and they, you, it's difficult to even bl- to know that they're the same person, uh, talking about big people. But, this, you know, it's the before and the after and the disciples went through a, a quite a dramatic before and after themselves, not in terms of fitness or weight loss, but just in terms of their nervousness and their courage that they, they needed. So, for example, in John 20, verse 19, we read this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Verse 26 in the same chapter. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So Jesus, this is the situation where Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He hasn't yet ascended, but he's meeting with his disciples um, they are beginning to understand, you know, he has risen from the dead, and yet they are still very, very nervous, very concerned, frightened. They're there in Jerusalem. They're right under the noses of the Jewish authorities, the same people that put Jesus to death. They're understandably frightened because they feel that if they got arrested, they could well be executed as well. And so they're meeting behind locked doors. There's no way that they're going to go outside and start proclaiming the gospel in that particular moment. They've been with Jesus for three years. They've seen miracles. They've, they've been with him. They've, they've had teaching at first hand from him. Uh, and they know that something absolutely miraculous has happened. He's risen from the dead. And yet they are still incredibly nervous. And within a few days or weeks this same group of men and women will be out on the streets in Jerusalem proclaiming the gospel with all the boldness in the world. What changed between that time and that time, the before and the after? We all know the answer, but let me tell you a story before we go on. Uh, A guy called John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, uh, wrote a book called Power Evangelism many years ago. And in the book, he says this, In the summer of 1967, a young man called Scott attended a student's retreat at Arrowhead Springs, California. The theme of the conference was personal evangelism. Towards the end of the week, the students were to be transported on buses to local beaches where two by two they were put into action what they had been taught. Scott was apprehensive about going out and the idea became more frightening as the week progressed. The evening before they went out, Dr. William Bright presented teaching about the Holy Spirit. His points were very simple. We cannot successfully live the Christian life in our own strength. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. We are commanded in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For years, Scott had been taught not to focus on the Holy Spirit, lest he weaken his relationship with Christ or fall into the excesses of the Pentecostals. But Dr. Bright's talk stirred Scott deeply and allaying many of his fears. That night, Scott could hardly sleep. 
He sensed God calling him to open his heart fully to the Holy Spirit. So he slipped out of bed, dressed, and found a quiet place in the hotel grounds. He began to pray. Holy Spirit, I've been living in my own strength for too long. Now I yield every part of my life to you. Come and fill me. He then felt a rush of power over his body, a warm tingling feeling, and with it a peace and a desire to worship God. As soon as he began worshipping, he spoke in tongues. After worshipping for an hour, he opened his Bible and began to read and read and read. And the scripture came alive. The word of God leapt off the pages. The next day, as they were boarding the buses to the beach, the gospel was burning in his heart. Scott and his friend Jim first approached two teenage boys, asking if they would mind participating in a religious survey. Soon they were talking about Jesus. Two girls joined in the conversation, then another three boys. Scott quickly put the four spiritual laws aside, and as he spoke, God gave him insights about their problems. He spoke about God's love and righteousness in a way that opened their hearts. Within 30 minutes, several of the teenagers were weeping, falling on their knees, repenting from their sin, and turning to Christ. Before the day was over, at least a dozen young people made Christian commitments. So let me come back to that question. What changed for the disciples? What, what changed that they, were, they went from being really nervous to being full of boldness? Clearly, the baptism, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Before the day of Pentecost, Jesus said to them, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for this gift my Father has promised that you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again in verse 8 of chapter 1 of the book of Acts, he said, Listen, this is what's going to happen when the power of God comes on you. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Now, these were the last words that we have recorded of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. So I think they're fairly significant. He was telling them to wait to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the Great Commission. And so when the Spirit came on those people, they were filled with an extraordinary level of boldness. They went from being people that felt so frightened about being uh, arrested and executed But then suddenly, because of the power of the Spirit, they're out in the streets and they're proclaiming this good news about Jesus, the fact that he died on the cross and risen again from the dead. And so they have a boldness, but this boldness that comes on them isn't just for proclaiming the gospel. Because as we go through the scriptures, we realize that there's a boldness on people to do all sorts of things. And it comes as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need a boldness to intercede for other people sometimes. We need a boldness to pray for work colleagues to be healed. We need a boldness when we start leading into a Bible study. We need a boldness when we're speaking to strangers about our faith. We need boldness to tell someone that you feel the Holy Spirit is saying this to them. You need boldness in challenging other believers when you see they're drifting away from God. You need boldness in knowing how to pastor other people sometimes. You need boldness in speaking in public or boldness in challenging authorities or boldness to address issues of justice or boldness to dream big dreams. 
We want to be a, a church full of people who are full of the Holy Spirit and therefore full of boldness to do whatever God is calling them to do. And historically, this church has had a number of people that have been bold enough to step out and to plant churches or step out and move to another place in this country to take up a leadership role in another church or step out to proclaim the gospel in one way or another or to do all kinds of things because they've been people full of the Spirit, big people, mature in Christ. And that's what we need to be, people who are bold to step out in all sorts of ways to do what God is calling us and prompting us to do. Now, I don't want to talk for very much longer because it'd be good to pray together this morning, to pray for boldness. Uh, that's a very biblical prayer as well, because in Acts 4.29, 4, uh, after they've had some pros- uh, persecution, the disciples say, Lord, consider the threats that we're getting. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They didn't say, Lord, please, um, you know, Help us to avoid this, this, these problems. Uh, help us to kind of be hidden away a bit for a while so that we're, we're not facing persecution. They're praying for even more boldness to keep proclaiming the gospel, which they know will cause even more trouble. Paul similarly says, pray for me, Ephesians 6:19, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We're going to be bold in Christ. We must be filled with the Spirit. Now, no, let me just say very quickly that you know, if you're going to be bold in Christ, you do need to be in Christ. And so, if you're still on that journey trying to find out who Jesus is, I want to appeal to you, even this morning, to take that step of faith, to say, "Yes, I do want to follow you, Jesus. I do want to make you Lord of my life." This is what the whole this gospel message is about. That these people are needing boldness to proclaim, uh, and it's relatively simple in the UK to proclaim that message. But if you haven't received it yet, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then make that step today. And having made that step, pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you, so you also can be bold to share that message with other people. But for some people in the room right now, there'll be a a sort of sense of you thinking, yeah, even this week, I've got a situation coming up where I need some boldness. I need to be bold at work to speak about into that situation. There's a sense of injustice or there's something that I need to address in in that work situation. Maybe for some of you, you're feeling, I I just need boldness to step out and share my faith again this week. Uh, Maybe for others, there's a a boldness to start uh, praying boldly into a dream that God's given you or a vision that you feel God has given you. You've lost lost sight of a bit. And so I just want us to uh, spend a bit of time praying. I'm going to, in a moment, invite people to come forward. We'll just pray for some specific things. um, And we can pray for each other as well. But essentially, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to find that boldness, don't we? So let's just pray. Let's just uh, bow our heads for a moment. I just um, sense that there are, there are people here this morning and you're particularly needing a, a real boldness in your work situation. Um, you need to confront somebody about something or you need to address something. You need to raise a concern you have uh, which feels unjust. And in this moment, you're feeling, yeah, I I could do with some boldness for this week as I go back into work. I feel there may be even somebody that teaches in in a school or works in a school situation. There's a 
a real need for boldness this week for a specific reason. For those of you that are students, I feel that there's maybe one or two students you feel a bit under the cosh with other, everybody else pushing their philosophies of life and ways to do life and their values at you all the time. And sometimes you just feel, I need more boldness to stand up and say, actually, I believe in, in Jesus. Actually, there's another way. Heavenly Father, we want to pray that you would um, just hear us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together, to be together in your name. Uh, but Lord, we need to be bold in so many different ways as we go about our, our different weeks. And I pray, Spirit of God, that you would come upon us in a fresh way right now. Let's just, um, if you're happy to, if you're comfortable, just lift up your hands. This is a sort of sign of being open to what God wants to do. But Let's just be proactive in this moment, not passive, and uh, just ask the Holy Spirit to come, just silently, or just quietly asking him to come upon you again. Come, Spirit of God, we pray. Come, Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and rest on us right across the room now. Come, Holy Spirit, meet with us in a fresh way. Lord, whether we've, we've known you and your power for many years, or whether this is all very new to us, we pray, Spirit of God, come and minister to us right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Holy Spirit, we just recognize we need you so much for everything we do, but we do need you when we need to step out boldly to do things.